You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome to another exciting edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin, along with Jesse. And as always, we're here to talk to you tonight about the president, about Washington, D.C. politics, the state of this union. What do you have for us tonight, Jesse? Well, we're recording this right after the press conference with Trump and French President Macron. So we really haven't had a chance to process everything that's going on. But there's one thing I really wanted to point out, Kevin, and I know you saw it too. Trump was just acting like a weirdo throughout this entire thing. I mean, am I, is that too strong of a word, calling him weird? Uh, that might be mild. You never know what you're going to get with him. But uh, today's uh, interaction with the French President Macron was definitely out of the ordinary. He was brushing off dandruff from his shoulder and you're calling him beautiful uh, yeah they were holding hands for a nose i mean hey you know what uh this is uh we're, we're, we're liberal guys this is 2018 guys want to hold hands you know what do we care but for two leaders of the free world to hold hands for a noticeably long period of time it, it was just a little odd to me uh, it, it didn't seem to fall in line with how we usually perceive trump uh, to handle this kind of situation yeah, maybe not so bad. W used to hold people's hands a lot, but <laughs> what, who was it? Was it the guy from Jordan or Saudi Arabia? One of those guys, one of the sheik, they were holding hands. Yeah, I don't know. It uh, is certainly an unorthodox moment from an unorthodox president. So you know, out of the ordinary, maybe not. That's just the new ordinary. Yeah, but this yeah. this is not normal. No, I'll give. Trump the the cheek kiss because you know it's a European custom the kissing on each cheek, but then when they walked away, Macron put his arm around uh, his shoulders and was kind of massaging or patting. Oh, he was patting Trump on the back. I can't tell if this is a bromance or whether they're they're, they're playing like chicken who can who can be the most touchy feely without it going overboard. Uh, it could be either. Uh, truth be told, so I don't know. It's it's interesting with these two world leaders who are early in uh, terms of their presidencies to see how they get along, along with each other. And it's it's odd to say the least, but maybe they can work together and, and work towards something positive for the world. You know who wasn't holding Trump's hand? Melania. She uh, once again uh, kind of pulled away when he went to grab her hand. And it's becoming to be a reoccurring theme in this presidency. Well, look, she just spent a couple days without him and, uh, you know, she seems a little happy, but we'll We'll talk about that later. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about uh, with France, Macron, and Trump uh, next episode when we get a chance to really kind of download our thoughts on exactly what happened. Uh, one of the things I really want to talk about quickly as we start out here, uh, and by the time you listen to us, it's probably going to be over. Uh, tonight is the special election for Arizona, uh, the 8th District. Uh, Republicans are expected to win, um, but uh, this seems to be one of those cases uh, where they're going to win, but they're going to lose. You know what I'm saying, Kevin? Yeah. According to CNN, there are 78,000 more registered Republicans than Democrats in this district, and 154,000 votes have already been cast through early voting. Uh, Republicans make up 48% of the votes that have already been cast, and they have skewed older than 63. So this is an older, more conservative district. Republicans are expected to win. This is not going to be a surprise if they do. However, can the Democrats close the gap? I mean, the Republicans have thrown in over a million dollars. Remember, this is the Phoenix suburbs we're talking about. 
Uh, Republican Debbie Lesko, she's a former state senator. She wants to replace uh, Trent Franks, Franks. And if you remember, it's hard to keep track of everybody who's not running anymore. But uh, Franks resigned last year because there were some allegations of sexual impropriety, uh, to put it, uh, put it, I guess, as nicely as you can. Uh, yeah, as, we, as you mentioned, Trump won this district by 21 points in 2016. And a lot of the GOP strategists just think the best case scenario is that the Democrat will lose by high single digits. And that's what I meant earlier when I said they're going to win, but they're going to lose. Uh, it looks good for the short term. They're going to retain this district, at least going into November. But uh, nationally, it, it just paints a very ugly, ugly picture for the GOP going into the midterm elections. All right, the Democrats are closing the gap. App here. This is a deeply red suburb of Phoenix, as you said, but unaffiliated voters are supporting uh, the Democratic opponent here, Hiral Tipperneni, by a 12-point margin. And another 14% of Republicans seem to be crossing over in support of her. So it's they're probably not going to win, as we've said. However, the Democrats seem to be closing this gap here. And if, if they can bring that down closer to even, you know, what does that say about November? I know last episode I said that I'm kind of tired of moral victories and they don't mean anything, but this is the kind of moral victory I can get behind because it's forecasting what's going to happen in just eight months or so. So uh, if, if this goes down the way that we're talking, and, and it may not, we may wake up tomorrow or just look at the news and we're done uh, recording this podcast and start seeing things coming out that it's a it's a big, big uh, win for the Republicans. And if that's the case, that's the case. Uh, but if things go the way we think it's going to uh, – Republicans should be shaking in their boots, and uh, November, the, the first Tuesday following the first Monday in November, will be here before you know it, uh, and we may see uh, a big change. At least that's what the experts are saying. But then again, the experts said that Trump wasn't going to win. Uh, so who knows? Hey, look, I'm not going to pontificate here. Uh, far be it for me to uh, to think about what might happen. But given the trend of some things we've seen since uh, the beginning of this year. As far as elections have gone in some places that traditionally go to the Republicans, you know, it would seem some changes coming. So we'll have to wait and see for real in November. But certainly there are some some promising things happening along the way. Definitely, definitely. So when we started our podcast last week, uh, we just heard that uh, former First Lady Barbara Bush had passed away. Uh, and now, uh, just early this week, we've learned that uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, uh, was admitted to Houston Hospital to treat for an infection that spread to his blood. Uh, the last reports were that he appears to be recovering and he's looking forward to getting out. Uh, but this, I, I don't want to think of it. This is sometimes what happens uh, when one spouse goes, the other one often goes soon be behind it. We don't know if that's the case here. Uh, and I know we all wish the, the best for the former president. Yeah, you know, I, I had a couple of grandparents who, who passed within eight months of each other. Once you've been married for that long and one of them passes on, uh, it's hard for that other person at an advanced age with their own medical issues to hang on because they, they don't have anyone to live for anymore. So it's easier for them to let go. So I would not be surprised, you know, sadly, to see the former president uh, fade uh, as time goes by now as well. So we did see a few things come out of the funeral on Saturday. Um, a nice picture was actually released and it had uh, George W. and Laura Bush, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack and Michelle Obama, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, of course, and Melania. Um, you know, Trump was at his Southern White House, as he called it. He, he tweeted out, heading to the Southern White House to watch the funeral service for Barbara Bush. First Lady Melania has arrived in Houston to pay her respects. Will be a beautiful day. Uh, what, what do you think about him not being there? 
Well, you know, he claimed that he didn't want his security detail to, to take away from the, the moment honoring Barbara Bush. But, you know, I, I don't believe that for a second. Now, you know, he knew who else was going to be there. He didn't want to show face in front of the likes of Hillary or Barack Obama. And he, he kept out of sight, uh, instead sending his wife, who, who seemed to enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to be flipping here. I mean, we, we joke around a lot. Uh, but it's a real serious question. I mean, have you ever seen, at least in public, Melania looking happy? I mean, there's a picture of them all. Uh, w has his arm around Hillary and Laura. Uh, Michelle was standing next to Melania. Lots of smiles going around. Uh, she looks way happier uh, than we ever see her when she's standing next to the Donald. As you mentioned, Jess, you know, seeing those former presidents and their spouses together, uh, you know, it really was heartwarming to see them all, despite the reason why they were together, they, they all seemed happy. They genuinely seemed to enjoy each other's company. And they were comforting, you know, each other in, in a time when you needed, uh, when, when that was needed. So it is possible. And this may be re reflections of a, a bygone era, but, you know, we need to get back to that civility in American politics. And, you know, what was the one common denominator of who was not there? And I'll rest it's my case. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we should go back to a time where you know, they're like the loyal opposition. You have different points of view. You're running for different, uh, different role, uh, different things you want to get past, and you, and you're you know direct, uh, direct opposition. But you can still respect each other. You can still be adults. I mean, you don't think that George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, you know, was a little sore with Clinton after he, you know, I mean, that's just natural. But uh, you know, people move on. Time heals all wounds. Uh, and I, I don't think they necessarily hold a grudge like we see uh, with our current president. So, you know, it's a uh, – but what do you think about uh, him using the term Southern White House? A lot of people haven't been really happy. I saw this tweet from uh, uh, former White House uh, ethics chief Walter Schaub who criticized Trump. He said, uh, the reference to Southern White House is part of a campaign to monetize the presidency. Unlike the Mid-Atlantic White House or, you know, just the regular White House, uh, you can purchase unlimited access to the Southern White House and its chief occupant if you're willing to pay $200,000 a year. Yeah, you know, certainly it it seems to continue to drive a wedge in this country. You know, spend the time in the office, in the building that you, you were elected to occupy and lead by example. Be a leader. And we've yet to see that. I mean, he's the guy who got all over Obama for playing golf as many times as he did. And I think I saw like he's been on the golf course at his own resorts like 108 times already. Or maybe it was even more than that. I can't remember the exact number. Uh, but th this is the main problem when it comes to Trump. And you know, not people that voted for him, but the people who, who support him through thick and thin no matter what he does. Uh, he flat out lied. If you look back, he goes, you know, I'm going to be working all the time. I won't have time to golf. Uh, then he just goes and golfs all the time and people just let it go and they don't call him on it. Um, we've got to get to the point that when he says one thing and does another, that whether you're Republican, Democrat, and whether it's Trump or whether it's another president, we call them on their, uh, whether it's lying or misstating or flip-flopping, if you want to go back to the John Kerry thing, uh, people need to be called uh, on these statements. And uh, right now, Trump's just getting away with it. And as he said before, he'd probably get away with murder. Yeah, and worse yet, the idea of monetizing uh, the White House here. The money in politics is the single biggest threat to American democracy. We need to pay attention to that, that you can't just buy your way into the good graces and, and buy your way into influence in this country, be it with the president, be it with Congress. That's that's the biggest threat.
Well, that's how Trump's always done things, and he's not going to let a little thing like being president of the United States stop him from doing it again. Not likely, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh, there's been more stuff. You know, Russia, we can't get through a podcast without saying Russia. More stuff coming out from Russia. Unless it's the PP tape, drop it. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm waiting. I, th- I think we're inching closer and closer to it. Uh, in, in 2013, Trump took a trip to Moscow uh, for a few different things. And last January at a private White House dinner uh, attended by only Trump and Good old James Comey, good old Jim Comey. Uh, Trump started talking with the PP tape uh, because he has to be the one to bring it up. He's he wanted Comey to know, and Comey wrote this in a memo. The memos that Trump uh, thinks are stupid. Uh, that not only did he not meet with these hookers, uh, that it was an impossibility. Trump said he had spoken to people who had been on the trip with him, and they reminded him like, "Hey, Donald, uh, you didn't stay there overnight." And and Trump repeated this again later at an Oval Office meeting with Comey and, and said that he hadn't stayed over when. He went there for the Miss Universe trip, but uh, that might not be the case, is it, Kevin? Well, first of all, you don't need to stay overnight to get peed on by a prostitute. <laughs> but how I, do you I know? Guess, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, the, these are things that can be proven with documentation, right? There's flight records. There's things that prove when he arrived, when he left, and you know, there's stuff. There, there's me on these bones to prove what happened. And regardless of what his memory may serve to be and what people have reminded him, there are facts and there is evidence. And so we can leave it at that. Yeah. It's, and by the way, I'm, I'm not going to leave it at that because uh, the guy who hosted the pageant that he went there to see, a guy by the name of Thomas Roberts, came out today and said he knows that Trump stayed there for a night. So uh, guess what? It's it's just another one of those Russian coincidences that the Trumps and the Trump administration love to say. There comes to be a point where it's not a coincidence anymore, and, and it just leads to a pattern. And uh, patterns like this uh, are something that can get uh, a president, no matter who that president is, in big, big trouble. Uh, yeah, it is not rocket science to figure this out. Okay, We may not have all the specifics, all the details, but we know that Donald Trump, the businessman, was desperate to get the Trump brand into Russia, all right? And so he, he tried his, his hardest to do that. And in the process, I'm, I'm sure there were some, some dealings that were a little less, less than ethical. And yeah, he just needs to be held accountable for these things that he's done. And I'm sure they have things on him because I'm sure he tried to pull stunts to get the Trump brand into Moscow. You know, there's probably a, th- a thousand Stormy Daniels out there. Maybe, maybe that's pushing a thousand. But yeah, you know, there's there, there's more stories similar to that, whether they've come out or not. Uh, my most exciting thing is that uh, everything that comes out of Russia leads us a little, little closer to the Steele dossier being real. And if the Steele dossier is, be, is real, then as you said earlier, the PP tape will start to drop. And you know, maybe it's not fair that we're being so giddy uh, in seeing the president of the United States being embarrassed and, and possibly being urinated on. Um, but I, I think we've gone out of our way in the past, maybe not recently, but when we started this podcast to try to be fair with the president and try to give him a chance. But he goes out of his way to kind of spit, spit on people who are doing that. It's you're with him or you're against him. And, you know, I think, I think we can clearly say that we're against him. Hey, and you know what, Jess, maybe this will eventually all come full circle. Maybe there, there was some illegal activity that took place place in russia and at some point he'll end up in peace he'll end up out of our hands and in russian authorities hands and you know he'll be found guilty of something and sent to a gulag and he'll be in the cell right next door to the the band pussy riot (laughs) and then this whole thing will have come full circle grab them by the the pussy riot all within (laughs) one russian 
prison. And who knows, maybe they need a, you know, apprentice gulag edition and he can be the host of that. Good for him. But so again, we'll see, we digress. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, Bob Mother has to say about this, I'm sure, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, there's also some problems with the associates of Donald Trump. Uh, on Monday, White House Press Secretary Sarah Lee Sanders refused to discuss whether Trump is considering to pardon his personal attorney, good old Michael Cohen. She said, it's hard to close a door on something that hasn't taken place. I don't like to discuss or comment on hypothetical situations that may or may not ever occur. Uh, she then... Uh, refused to uh, answer any other questions on Cohen, but did add that Trump has been clear that Cohen hasn't done anything wrong. So, Kevin, of course I, not. He was protecting him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I understand the White House not wanting to discuss hypotheticals, but I mean, it, it, God, if Trump were to were to pardon, you know, Cohen if he did actually get convicted of something, that would be a really bad look. I mean, that that has to be. I don't know what it would be. That has to be illegal somehow, right? Right. Well, Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution grants the president the power to pardon for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. However, the president cannot pardon Cohen on any state level charges. And surprise, surprise, the state of New York, where Michael Cohen operates out of Trump's home state, has very similar laws on the books about things like wire transfers and bank fraud. That Cohen could be charged with on a state level, in which case the president could not intervene. And, and there's talk that the attorney general in the state of New York is considering going after Cohen in the same fashion uh, that these federal charges have been brought against him. So, you know, this remains to be seen, obviously, but the president does have limited powers, despite what he thinks about his ability to pardon people. And you know, as I was sitting here doing the podcast, a thing popped up on my phone saying – it's from a USA Today article saying Trump has short-circuited the pardon process for his political allies but quietly denied clemency for 180 others you know, because they weren't people who were loyal to him or people who could help him out. He just doesn't really care is what I would imagine at least. Yeah, well, that would seem to reason. Yeah. Well, so there's nothing I like better, Kevin – than waking up on a Saturday morning because it usually comes with lots of insane tweets from the president. Um, part of his tweet storm this last Saturday uh, was aimed at New York Times uh, employee Maggie Haberman. Uh, he tweeted out, the New York Times and this third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman, known as a crooked H flunky who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with, are going out of the way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hopes that he will flip. They used non-existent sources and a drunk-slash-drugged-up loser who hates Michael. By the way, I don't think I know who that drug, drunk-drugged-up person is. Um, Michael, a fine person with a wonderful family. Michael is a businessman for his own account-slash-lawyer who I have always liked and respected. Most people will flip the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that despite the horrible witch hunt and the dishonest media. Hmm thoughts well perhaps we should point to the flaw in the story here the journalist he speaks of maggie haberman of the new york times has in fact interviewed trump on the record more than a dozen times according to cnn's brian and stelter so um you know we're blowing holes in your story there mr president and more importantly he knows very well that uh, maggie haberman is a credible source that she is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist for the New York Times. This is not some schlub for the National Enquirer. 
No, and uh, I mean, we follow her on Twitter. Uh, I like her tweets. I like her retweets. I think she does a great job. And as I look at this from an outsider's perspective, you don't get this angry at somebody personally if they're lying. I mean, I mean maybe you do. But uh, the way he's he's going at it is that how dare she say these things? Uh, she's obviously not a third-rate reporter, as you pointed out. She's an award-winning reporter. Uh, and by the way, she said over over uh, the weekend uh, that uh, she thinks that Trump ruined his relationship with Michael Cohen, uh, that he's abusive to most people uh, kind of in his orbit, in his sphere, and he's been particularly abusive towards Cohen. Uh, so he can say all the nice things he wants publicly now that Cohen's in trouble, but it might be too little too late, and, and maybe Cohen will flip. Who knows? It remains to be seen. Well, imagine being the personal attorney of Donald J. Trump. You know, the amount of hell he must put you through with all of his misgivings and misdeeds and the things that you're trying to cover for. How do you sleep at night? There are other rich people you can work for if you want to be that kind of lawyer. Um, but I guess if you're going to be the type of lawyer that he is, uh, the, the fixer, as they call it, you have to have uh, have people you work for who are scummy because clean people don't need fixers. It's only the people who get into trouble. So I guess it comes with the territory, uh, but it, it's probably just a territory that a lawyer should not go into the, in the first place. But that's just me. Not one with good ethics at the, in in the least. No. All right, so for a few other tweets from this weekend, I want to just run down and you know, get your thoughts. Uh, first, he's, and I don't understand some of these. As you, as you read these tweets, it often may sound that I'm just making a mistake or misreading. No, I'm just reading what he wrote. There's a revolution going on in California. So many sanctuary cities want out of this ridiculous, crime-infested, and breeding concept. Jesse, be quiet for a second. Do you hear that? Me, but okay. Do you, do you hear that sound? Do you, do you hear the dog whistle? I mean, come on. Here he goes again with that dog whistle politics nonsense, right? You know exactly what this means. Yeah, He's propagating the right-wing talking point of illegal immigrants coming to the United States and having anchor babies to stay here. And then, of course, oh, the immigrants are bad, terrible rapists. They're here to commit crimes. You know, that's what he's getting at here. Let's be honest. He's not even talking about immigrants. He's probably talking about Hispanics in general. Uh, you know, he doesn't have time to, know the to figure out which ones are here. No, exactly. Uh, and it, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, Sarah Huckabee Sanders won't clarify what he means. I mean, she always does that. I think the president was very clear in what he said. Like, no, he's not. I don't know what he's talking about. It's, we know what he's talking about, but we don't We because we need them to actually say it out loud so it becomes real, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and of course she- – she couldn't uh, answer for this because the answer to this would be the reprehensible garbage that that I just explained. So, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's come to be expected from this president. As so often with this White House, uh, it's not necessarily a question that they couldn't. It's that they wouldn't. And because uh, they know uh, he says stupid things. And uh, if you actually speak about those stupid things, they become stupid for an even larger audience. So uh, speaking of stupid tweets. Uh, he then tweeted, the Washington Post that I referred to Jeff Sessions as Mr. Magoo and Rod Rosenstein as Mr. Peepers. Uh, this is according to people with whom the president has spoken. Uh, there are no such people, and I don't know these characters, just more false and disgusting news to create ill will. <laughs> yeah, when was the last uh, time a president referenced 1950s cartoon characters in an official White House communication? 
Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If uh, you were one of the, if you were these uh, reporters of people, would you become up with Mr. Magoo? You'd probably use like something more current, I would imagine. I mean, hey, I like Mr. Magoo as much as the next guy. I watched it when I was a kid. Uh, but, and this, but this isn't the first time we've heard of the Magoo thing. It's been around for like the last year or so. Yeah, uh, I get, get the impression there's lots of Mr. Magoo's. I just pictured Jeff Sessions walking around and like walking onto a girder, being lifted onto a building, and then almost falling off, but then you know falling onto a trampoline. To, to the young kids listening, that's what used to happen to Mr. Magoo. Go watch; I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and by the way, just the fact that the president of the United States had to clarify that on Twitter shows how far we've fallen, uh, at least how far the office has fallen. Uh, then he just tweeted out, you know, as a total non-sequitur, a, a complete witch hunt. Which you know, all righty then. Yeah, that's that's one of his favorite go-to's. <laughs> And then, and finally, uh, hard to believe obstructionists may vote against Mike Pompeo for Secretary of State. The Dems will not approve hundreds of good people, including the ambassador to Germany. They are maxing out the time on approval process for all. Never happened before. Need more Republicans. Oh, how soon they forget Merrick Garland, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it is unprecedented. Uh, it is inappropriate for a president to make nominations in the first year of his term. So we're just going to wait it out out to the end of his four years. And and for the people listening who don't necessarily know who Merrick Garland is, you should know, but uh, you don't because he was never put on the Supreme Court. Uh, So blocking a Supreme Court justice, good. Blocking Secretary of State, bad. Now we learned it's okay to block when it's, it's, you know, the other guys, but when it's you, uh, 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 it's not cool. It's not right. Yeah, right. Remember, it's only bad when the other guy does it. And, you know, again, the Republicans wasted the final year of uh, President Obama's term in which he had appointed Merrick Garland by saying, well, it's inappropriate for a president in the final year of his term to make appointments to these positions. Well, so what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Indeed. Also, uh, we're some more, more some more trouble brewing within the administration. Uh, a man with what I consider, Kevin, to be the greatest military of them all, Rear Admiral, uh, <laughs> uh, Ronnie Jackson, he may be in trouble. I, I, by the way, I've been, in, I've been in an elevator in the Senate with a Rear Admiral once. I, I was like, oh, I know, that's cool. Uh, so more accurately, uh, Ronnie Jackson's nomination to the uh, Veterans Affairs Secretary position, that may be in trouble. And by the way, this comes from, secretaries on, uh, from senators on both parties. Uh, so it's the bipartisan problem that we're facing here. And uh, it's not looking good for Ronnie. Uh, it's not. Not, no. And according to CNN, whistleblowers made allegations to the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee regarding excessive drinking and a negative work environment under his leadership. So uh, perhaps his his ethical standard is, is less than to be desired for uh, the position of VA secretary. And today, Trump really threw him under the bus. So we, we saw part of it during the Macron uh, press conference. Someone asked him about this. And he basically said that the decision was up to Jackson whether he was going like, to stay in as as a nominee or not. But you know, if it was him, I wouldn't do it. It's it's not worth it. You know, I, I don't see why he would want to do this. But well, you nominated this guy, and now you're asking you don't know why he would st- stick around and do this. He also said, if I were Ronnie Jackson, and in many ways I wish I was. I'm like. What? the hell does that mean um it's a second any of these guys uh face a little pressure uh trump's like oh you know ronnie jackson my doc he wasn't my doctor i don't even know the guy he got me coffee once that's how he goes with everybody i just wait for it yeah trump doesn't do like admitting fault or flaw so you know this was his way of telling jackson to step aside 
And lest, let, lest we forget that Jackson is a guy uh, who said that Trump has incredibly good genes and that if he had a healthier diet over the last 20 years, he might have lived to be 200 years old. I mean, I don't want to accuse anybody. Maybe he was drinking a little early. Um, he also reported with a straight face that Trump was conveniently one pound under being clinically obese, which, you know, I, I'm not fat shaming him at all, but I, I'm a lie. I'm lie shaming him. Let's be honest. Uh, whatever they said, it was like 238 or something, whatever it was, Trump was obviously uh, heavier than that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm five foot 11 and a half, but I'm always wearing shoes. So I call myself six foot. But there again, I'm not the president of the United States. And uh, the coincidence is just, you know, ironic, I suppose. Yeah. Well, well finally, I want to talk about our old friend, Sean Hannity. Last week, we learned that he was Michael Cohen's third client, although Hannity refuses to uh, you know, admit that. Uh, this week, we found out that a shell company linked to Hannity bought properties through a dealer who pled guilty, or should I say pleaded guilty? I had to look that up. It, both are acceptable. Pleaded is the correct way to say it. Um, to criminal charges in the scheme of fraudulently purchasing foreclosed homes. Oh, Sean, getting yourself in trouble again. You know, uh, former Clinton White House counselor Paul Be- Gala calls Hannity a welfare queen because the mortgages that he received on these homes are insured by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And in other words, it's a subsidy or benefit that the government is providing. In other words, welfare. So there, ergo, welfare queen. There you go. Uh, so this this company, this shell company, bought 11 homes in Georgia in 2012 that had initially been bought by property dealer Jeff Brock. Uh, Brock purchased the foreclosed homes before passing them on to another corporation, which sold them uh, to the shell company at a profit. Uh, Brock pleaded guilty in 2016 to bank fraud and conspiracy for his part in the scheme to rig auctions for foreclosed homes. And even though there's no real evidence that Hannity knew uh, what Brock was up to, uh, it's still not good for him. It, it's a hit for him. Right. Uh, And Hannity, who tried like hell to keep his name out of the news when Cohen was forced by the courts to divulge him as the the other person here, um, you know, and then quickly went on the airwaves to to say that this was nothing. You know, I asked him for some legal advice in passing a few times and slipped him a 10. You know, Hannity, it's 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 come to call. This is this is your moment in the sun and it's not so good for you, apparently. And by the way, I think that uh, that advice he asked Cohen for was real estate advice. So I, sure I don't was. know. I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything happened, but you know we can all put two and two together and see what that equals. It's these guys who complain. We saw it with General Flynn, who is leading the charge to lock her up, and now he's the one in jail. Uh, and we saw Cohen talking trash about Hillary Clinton going to jail. Now he's possibly facing jail time. It's best just not to go after people if you have no real evidence on them, because especially if you're dirty, because it looks that much worse when it comes and bites you in the butt later on. Right. Those who live in glass houses, let's not throw stones. No. I love, by the way, the fact that Hannity uh, defended himself saying that uh, he's being attacked for investing money, his personal money, into communities that badly needed the investment. Uh, you know, that's Sean Hannity, the guy who fights for the little guy, right? It's, that's what we think of him, him as when he's worth his, what, $90 million? He fights for you and me. Yeah, welfare queen or slum lord. I'm not sure which one's more appropriate. <laughs> Someone should show him the movie The Super. Maybe he'll, he'll feel a little better afterwards. All right, Kevin, what do you have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse... And transparency are character traits that we should all expect from our president in the same way that Donald Trump demands loyalty from the sycophants and lackeys that he surrounds himself with. This expectation 
to be unreasonable, though, given the behaviors of the commander in chief, as it seems there is no room for the truth within the confines of the Oval Office. The president's propensity for misleading and or lying to the American people, despite the factual information that exists in the 21st century Internet based 24 hour news cycle in which we live, regardless of whether the lies involve a trip to Russia. Russia, relationships with adult film stars, or the real reason for not attending a former first lady's funeral, the truth is we are being led by someone who fails to live up to the ethical standard of the office he holds. Worse yet, the president surrounds himself with people who fail to check his behavior, instead participating in the ruse themselves with outlandish claims regarding the president's health or unyielding support on cable news networks in spite of poor behavior so as to curry favor with the most powerful person person in the world. Is it really that much to ask for a little honesty and America's integrity back? Unfortunately, these days, I think it might be. But that's why we're doing what we're doing. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Grab Them By The Pod. Remember, go to our website at grabthembythepod.com. I find lots of good stuff there. Remember, uh, we're, we're thinking of possibly having a uh, viewer questions episode. So send in your questions either to grabthembythepod at gmail.com or you can get us on Twitter. Uh, just go to our website. You'll find all the ways to contact us. Uh, and until next episode, Kevin, uh, it's been great. Later. Later.